I want to tell you a story about a man and a woman. Like you can probably guess, this man and woman were in love. Theirs was a unique type of love, like a sappy love song. The man loved the woman, and the woman loved the man. He provided for her, took care of her needs. As far as he was concerned, she was his queen, and he treated her as such. Now just, be <laughs> now just because the man loved the woman, and the woman loved the man, doesn't mean there weren't other, me other men vying for the woman's attention. Oh, there were, there were other men. Each of them offered her different things in an attempt to get her to leave the man. But she resisted. Time after time, she resisted. And every time she was tempted to go with someone else and resisted, it just made their love stronger. He knew that when she resisted these other men, she was choosing him. It was like she was blowing him a kiss, because the choice to f love him was what made it special. The fall. One day, though, she decided not to come home. She sent him a text, I'm not coming home. And somehow, he knew that she didn't just mean tonight. She meant that she wasn't coming home at all. You or I, our instinct might have been to respond in anger. We might have sent something like, how could you do this? Or what were you thinking? But not the man. Instead, his first message to her simply said, where are you? Because Im his immediate and sole desire was to put the relationship back together. But he didn't hear from her for a long time. He waited and waited. He continued to ask her, where are you? His desire wasn't for revenge. His desire wasn't to punish her or whoever she was with. The man wanted nothing more than to restore their relationship. But she still ran from him. He sent messages, called mutual friends. He did everything he could to find her. But despite his best efforts, he couldn't catch her. His imagination ran wild, wondering what she was doing, who she was with, what had happened to her. All of the worst possibilities crossed his mind, and his heart was broken. Then one day, he found out where she was, and it was not good news. In her running, she had fallen in with a bad crew. She began making choices that didn't seem like the woman he loved, doing things he hadn't imagined she'd do. One thing led to another, and she had ended up in jail. Not just in jail, but on death row, sentenced to die for the crime she committed in the time she'd been gone. The man still hadn't, actu hadn't actually talked to her, so I wasn't even sure if she'd want him back. But he was willing to do whatever it took to set her free so that she could make her choice, so he decided to approach the judge and ask her what he would have to do to free her. He told the judge their story of how he loved her and how she'd loved him, the story of their life together. He begged the judge for mercy and leniency for the woman. Redemption. The judge told the man, I hear you and understand, but someone has to pay for her crimes. There's only one way I can let her go, and that's for someone to take her place. I'll do it, the man responded. With no hesitation, he had long ago thought of a possibility like this, and he knew that he might have to give up his life for hers, and he was ready and willing. The quickness of his answer surprised the judge. He had heard pleas like this one before, but no one had ever taken him up on the offer, let alone so quickly. Why? The man, he asked the man. Would you do this for her when she's the one who left you? The man replied, I long ago decided that I value her life above my own, and if I have to give up my life so that she can have hers back, I will do so gladly. The judge had never seen a love like this. He was blown away. He paused a second to think. We had, when he had come to a conclusion, he addressed the man yet again. This kind of love transcends the power of any mortal man, he said. Then turning to the jailer, let them both go free. So the woman was set free and released into the care of the man. When the jail door opened, the woman saw for the first time who was responsible for her freedom. He looked just like he always did, regal, standing straight and tall, in his eyes. They were full of such love and kindness toward her, even after all she had done. And at the same time, the man saw his queen. She looked like death warmed over. She, she, ugh, where'd I go? <laughs> she was hunched over and her skin was pale, almost gray, and bruised all over. 
Her hair hadn't been washed or brushed in who knows how long. In that moment, their eyes met for the first time in what seemed like forever. She staggered toward him, collapsing into her, his arms as she wept uncontrollably. She knew that she hadn't deserved her fate, but this kind of mercy and love, no, she definitely did not de did not deserve that from this man she had abandoned. abandoned. Oh my goodness. Restor restoration. They returned to their home and began to rebuild their lives together, but it was hard. It took a long time for her wounds to heal and her body to recover. There were times when she would remember the fleshly pressures she had indulged in and yearned to go back. She would occasionally say hurtful things to him. Despite all this, he saw the best version of her and loved her like it. He treated her like the queen he had always seen her as. And over time, she began to transform into that queen again. She regained her countenance, her skin got its color and glow back, and she once again stood straight, knowing that she was who the man said she was. Most importantly, as she experienced the goodness of her life and the man's love for her, her desire to go back faded, and the groom and his bride lived the life that was intended for them to live. Thank you for helping with that. So here's the thing. That story is our story. It's your story. We, as the human race, we are that bride, and God the Father is that groom. We, just like her, we were created for that perfect relationship with God, just like that bride and that groom had at the beginning of that story. But just like the bride left the groom uh, and they were separated because of her actions, our actions and our sin separate us from God. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means not most have sinned, not some have sinned, but all of us at some point have done, continue to do things that separate us from the love of God and from the, from the relationship that we were designed for. And just like that bride, our, our, our misdeeds, our sins require a payment from somebody. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of our sin is eternal death and eternal separation from God. That's what hell is. Hell is not just about fire and we've heard about hell and we have this picture of the devil with a pitchfork and horns and you know standing in a room full of fire which I don't know once upon a time style I don't know how that works exactly but um but I believe that hell's greatest punishment is the separation from God because we were designed to be with God but just like that groom God pursued us God pursued you he sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins before we ever asked for it before we ever uh, ran back towards God he was running to us and and to give us the opportunity to restore the relationship Romans 5 8 says God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us while we were still sinners so while we were still far away he was running to us trying to restore relationship and all we have to do is believe in Jesus and in who he is and in what he did and confess him as Lord. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That relationship will be restored. And that's all it takes. The price has already been paid. The judge has, has let us go. The only question is, will we run back into the arms of the one who saved us or will we continue to run away? 
Where are you in that story? Many of you have restored that relationship. You've believed that, and I'm grateful for that. But there may be some of you tonight who haven't. Some of you tonight who, who are, are, you come to church and you play the game and, and, and there's, no, there's nothing real to it. Some of you have, have gone back and forth, right? And God continues to pursue. Here's, here's a cool thing. Uh, whenever we run from, no matter how fast we run or how far we run from God, when we turn around, he's right there, continuing to chase us continuing to pursue us and that relationship that we were designed for. See, here's the thing. The culture will lie to us. Right? We played Box of Lies earlier, and I know it's a, uh, there was a time in our youth group where it was a running joke that every game was actually an illustration. Uh, I've tried not to do that so much lately, but this one is. Box of Lies, the culture will lie to us. The culture will tell you you're an accident. It is, right? But that's what people will tell us, that we don't really have a purpose. We're all the result of some accidental uh, neutrons colliding and the world accidentally formed, and there's no purpose for us. We're just going to live, and we die, and that's it, and there's nothing greater. There's nothing bigger than that. That's what the world will tell you. But the fact is, that's, that's a lie. We were created by a masterful creator, by, by a master artist. Jeremiah 1.5, he says he knew us in our mother's womb. So before you were ever alive, before you took your first breath, God knew who you were and he was, he was already preparing you for that relationship with him. Luke 12.7 says he knows the number of hairs on your head. I saw a cartoon the other day. I should have put it on here. It would have been funny. Um, it's two angels. And they're standing behind a guy. He's a big dude. It's, it's like a like newspaper cartoon, so it's not. It's it's gonna sound weird in a second, but it's not that bad. Uh, but the picture is, uh, it's a dude. He's like mostly balding up here, um, but he's not wearing a shirt, and his back is really hairy. And the angels are going. It just said the hairs on his head, right? Right. Uh, so I don't know. It was funny. I should have. It it's really cheesy, but it was funny. Point being, there's a lot of hair on your head, right? It'd be a lot, awful hard to count that. But the Bible says that he knows the hairs on our, on our head. In Matthew 6, it talks about how he takes care of the ravens and makes sure that the flowers are dressed in splendor. So how much more is he going to take care of us, his prized creation? And so despite what the culture will tell you, that, that you're not, there's no greater purpose in your life that we were all just some happy cosmic accident. That's simply not the truth. The Bible tells us otherwise. The Bible tells us how much God cares for us. And God, God knows us and created us on purpose, and he cared enough to come and die the most painful death he could have died. He cared enough to love us in a way that we... Uh, have a hard time even comprehending. And so tonight, I want to give everybody here the opportunity, no matter who you are, no matter where you're at in life, I want to give you the opportunity to restore that relationship. If you'll close your eyes and bow your heads, nobody looking around. 
want you to have the chance tonight to restore that relationship, to run into the arms of of the Creator who's been pursuing you in love. You say, I've done some really bad things. I know. He's already taken them on Himself. The Bible said He became sin who knew no sin. He lived a perfect life, Jesus did. And He became sin. Your sin. My sin. He became our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. We could be restored to that relationship. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No, just like in that story. Even after their relationship had been restored, there were times where she said things that were hurtful to him. There were times where she longed to go back to her sinful ways, and yet he was still pursuing. That relationship was still intact, and she continued to choose over and over again relationship with her groom. And so tonight I want to give you the opportunity to do that. If it's your first time, if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus before and you want to tonight, I want you to just slip your hand up and put it back down. You don't have to hang it up there for a long time. I see that. Nobody's looking around. I see a few hands. And if you would say, yes, at some point in my life I, I made that decision, but, but I've run away from that. And I'm, you know, I've actively chosen to live a different life than that. But tonight you want to restart that. We serve a God who, who was, again, he's right there waiting for you no matter where you are, no matter what you've done. So if you say, I need to restart that relationship tonight, Right now, if you'll just put your hand up and put it back down. See your hands. I see those. Awesome. There's no magic words. There's no secret uh, phrase you have to say to start that relationship. Like that verse said, Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. By raising your hand, that's your, that's your declaration. You have said... Yes, I believe this. And, and in your heart, you're believing that Jesus is who he said he was, that he did what he said he did. Then that's what it takes. I'm going to pray, and Wes, will you grab, there's a stack of book of hopes on the, on the table there. If you put your hand up for either one of those, there's nobody looking around. If you just stick your hand back up, we want to give you a little, just a booklet for you to read so you can start figuring out what, is, what, what this decision means. Maybe you've said a prayer like this before, but it never went any further than that, and so you need some digger deeping, uh, some, some deeper digging. That's part of what this is for. And so I'm going to pray over you guys and, and then we'll be done for the night. But I just want to want to just take a moment to, to internally uh, celebrate and allow this to sink in tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for those that had the courage to raise their hand. Lord, I know that even when nobody's looking around, it can be hard to do that. 
But God, I just pray right now that you would sink into that relationship with us. God, that we would, would sink into that relationship with you. We would not jump in timidly. We would not go in halfway. We would not stay in the, on the steps of the pool with just our toes sticking in, Lord, but that we would dive into you with everything. We would hold nothing back. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with these students that have raised their hand and those that didn't. Lord, there's probably some that are that are fighting an internal battle right now or that just didn't want to raise their hand. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, your presence would just be all over us. Lord, I pray that you would, your presence would infiltrate every area of our lives, every moment of our day every thought in our head, every action of our hands. Lord, that we would grow to know you more and we would not just be wishy-washy and shallow about our relationship with you, but that we would uh, grow to know you deeper and we would want to know you deeper. We would dive into you, Heavenly Father. God, we thank you for who you are and for what you have done in our lives. God, and we just we're resting in your presence tonight. God, we thank you and we love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.